Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word.
for this church, this body of believers. God, just a community where we can come and worship and fellowship. God, sometimes we walk in here and we're hanging on by a thread, but you're here to lift us up. God, we're lifted up by each other. Lord, I just thank you for everyone who serves here. They're such an encouragement in my life. God, I ask for your blessing on this offering today. I just pray that it would further your kingdom. But Lord, I pray most that if somebody is sitting here today, Lord, that doesn't know you, that they would be touched. They would be touched by the message. Lord, that you would just convict their hearts, that they would want to come to know you more and commit their lives to you. Lord, we just ask all these things in your name. Amen.
Well, welcome to a beautiful spring morning here in Louisville, Kentucky. That's always nice, isn't it? Hey, take out your Bibles, turn over to Psalm 27, Psalm 28. Uh, we're going to be looking at the very end of Psalm 27 and then over uh, into Psalm 28. Now, yesterday, uh, it was going to be a lazy day for me. I wasn't going to do anything. I found out uh, Kentucky was playing at 1 o'clock. Louisville was playing at 2 o'clock. I thought, well, I'm just going to have an entire afternoon. I'm going to lay on the couch. I'm going to watch TV. About 12.45, our power went out. And I'm going, seriously, seriously, this can't be happening to me. You know, uh, you know what's going on here? And so uh, Dawn decided that since the power went out, that I needed to exercise. And so she made us go for a walk up and down all the hills there where we live. And so uh, we're going for a walk. We happen to see the LG&E truck go by. And he says, yeah, you, you know, the, the transformer popped, but I can't figure out why. And I'm like, okay, buddy, the game started 15 minutes ago. You need to be, you know, this is, this is really dangerous, you know, not to have the game off. So they eventually got it fixed and went and watched the game. Anybody watch those, any of those ball games yesterday? Yeah. Oh, seriously, two of you? Thank you, thank you. You all watched the ball game. Hey, if you know anything about basketball, there's something called the double team. I got a picture of a double team right here for you uh, on the screen. Uh, uh, Kobe uh, not having the, the best of games here as he's being double teamed. When you're double teamed, two players are guarding one player. Now, you do it for a couple of different reasons. You double team somebody because they might be a really good player and you're trying to stop them from scoring a lot of points. Or sometimes you just double team someone because you're trying to disrupt the game and get them out of their offense and, and get the ball back or something like that. But a double team is sometimes a very effective defense uh, against something that's coming at you very strongly. Well, we're going to look into Psalm 27 and 28, and we're going to see that when we have problems, that when troubles hit us, that God double teams our problems with two things. Uh, in the book of Psalms, the, the lamentations, about one out of every three of the Psalms are lamentations. In other words, Psalms where people are lamenting something saying something's really bad, something's hurting. We've looked at some of those raw emotions from the Psalms in the last few weeks from the Lamentations. But in those Lamentations, there are two main themes that are used over and over again. And coincidentally, we didn't ever touch on them in our sermon series. So I thought this morning we would look at those two main themes, and they're exactly what David said. They're waiting on the Lord is the first, and the second is that the Lord is our rock. So let's look over into Psalm 27 and Psalm 28 and see how God double teams our problems uh, when they come upon us. And the first thing we see is this. Often our problems can seem overwhelming. Often our problems can seem absolutely overwhelming. Look down to chapter 28, verse 1. To you, O Lord, my rock, do not turn a deaf ear to me. For if you remain silent, I will be like those who have gone down to the pit. So both of these psalms, Psalm 27 and Psalm 28 in the superscription, simply say they are psalms of David. We're told nothing else about them, just that David wrote these psalms. And he starts out in verse 1 and he says, I'm calling upon you, God, please listen to my cry for help. And then he goes on and he says, if you don't listen, if you don't do something, then I don't know if I'm going to make it through it. I'm going to be like those who go down to the pit. Now, what that means is, if you don't do something, it feels like my problems are going to kill me. And you've probably been at that situation in your life before, where your problems have hit you, you feel overwhelmed, and you think, man, if I don't get some relief here, I feel like my, my problems, everything going on in my life, it's overwhelming, it feels like it's going to kill me. You know, uh, uh, you look around today, and, and all kinds of problems, I talk to people all the time, we have relationship problems. Uh, I talk to people, maybe, maybe issues uh, with, with spouses, issues with uh, your children, parents and children, issues with friends, but a lot of relationship problems that people have in life. Sometimes we have problems that come from illnesses, uh, very serious illnesses that come upon us and, and keep us from living the life and doing the things that we wanted to do. Problems can come from finances, uh, uh, career, things going on at work, but we have problems and things that hit us at almost uh, every single thing. For a lot of people, problems come from watching or reading the news. Man, that can be pretty depressing, can't it? Uh, to read the news today, see everything going on in the world. Uh, it can seem overwhelming, and, and people wonder if there's any hope uh, when we look at all the problems and all the things going on in the world. And if you ever picked up the front page of a newspaper, uh, it's hard not to be depressed. 
Yesterday, uh, on the very front page of the Courier-Journal, there was an article about the heroin epidemic that's going on in uh, Louisville right now, and just some unbelievable things that have happened in just a very short amount of time. In the last 32 hours, 32 hours in the city of Louisville, 52 people were taken to the emergency room with heroin overdoses. In 32 hours, 52 people. Since the beginning of the year, over 700 people have gone to the the emergency room with heroin overdoses. This is exactly what was going on uh, a year ago in Cincinnati when six people died of heroin overdoses in one weekend in Cincinnati. Uh, That's what's happening here. They are taking the heroin, they are putting synthetic materials into it, basically making it pure poison, and then people are putting it into their system, and they're having overdoses and dying. We know very well, on Thursday, there was a wreck right here, right out by our church. Uh, they, They directed traffic through our church where a man riding in a truck had a heroin overdose. The passenger next to him died of a heroin overdose, and the other person took off running, trying to get away uh, so nobody could stop them. So you look around and you see all of these things going on, all of these problems, all of these troubles, and they can seem absolutely overwhelming. Look at verse 2. In verse 2, David cries out, Hear my cry for mercy. I'm calling to you for help. So David's saying, look, I don't, I don't see anything happening here. I'm praying to you. I'm begging you. I'm calling to you for help but I'm not seeing you doing anything. I'm not seeing you acting. Where are you? How come nothing's going on? And then in verses three through five, what he basically says is, I feel like you're treating me as if I'm an evil person. Uh, Look at verse three. Uh, Go up to that. He said, don't drag me down with the wicked, with those who do evil, who speak cordially with their neighbors, but harbor malice in their hearts. Repay them for their deeds and their evil work. Repay them for what their hands have done. Bring back upon them what they deserve. They show no regard for the works of the Lord. What his hands have done, he will tear them down and not build them up again. Now, that's a lot there, but basically this is what he's saying. My problems are overwhelming. I don't see you doing anything. I feel like I'm being treated like I was a really bad person. And he said, I'm not. I'm doing the best I can, and my problems are overwhelming, but you're treating me as if I was a really evil person. And I don't understand why you're treating me that way, God. And so here's David overwhelmed by his problems, and at times our problems overwhelm all of us. What's it look like to be overwhelmed by your problems? I've got a picture of that right here, what it looks like to be overwhelmed by your problems. That's what happens when you get overwhelmed by problems. That's that's actually me and and, uh, a young man in our group. We had that picture taken uh, just for this particular, particular thing. I know you all think, Chip, you're way... Way too thin for that. So that's the first thing we see. Often our problems can be overwhelming. Well, our scripture there goes on and says, okay, when our problems are overwhelming, that's when God double teams our problems. That when God, that's when God not only shows up, he shows up in two major ways to take on our problems and to double team them. So let's now look and see at the two things God uses when our problems hit us. And the first thing we see is this. When problems hit we need to wait upon the Lord. When problems hit, we need to wait upon the Lord. Look back to chapter 27, verse 14, the very last sentence, chapter 27, verse 14. Wait for the Lord, be strong, take heart, wait for the Lord. Now, if you look at that verse, it's pretty obvious that it doesn't mean that all of your problems are going to immediately disappear because twice He says, you need to wait for the Lord. And then in the middle of those two waitings on the Lord, he says, be strong and take heart. Now, why do you have to be strong? You've got to be strong because your problems are coming at you full force. Okay, they're about to overtake you. So you better be strong and you need to take heart because your problems can cause you to get discouraged and you just give up. But he says, wait for the Lord. Don't give up. Be strong. Wait for the Lord. Now, when I say that, and when you hear that, we don't like to hear those words because nobody likes to wait. Nobody likes going into the, to the doctor's office and going, oh, good, every seat's taken. This might take a couple of hours. I love this. Nobody likes getting to the airport and being told, your plane's been delayed three hours. And you go, yes, I get to walk around all the gift shops. Or if you're at Louisville International, I get to walk around the gift shop, you know, for three hours or, or something like that, you know, as you're doing that. So, so we see those things and we think, okay, I don't like waiting. 
The worst place you can wait is, I think, the DMV. We had to change uh, the license for one of our church vans. And, you know, we have a DMV just across the, the street here. And so I tried to think, when would be the best time to go? And I thought, well, maybe like 1030 because the early people have already gone to work. The lunch people haven't gotten there yet. Nobody's doing anything at 1030. So I stroll over there at 1030. I walk in. Man, there's people everywhere waiting. And they've got the numbers you can take. And it says, you know, you're number 178. And I'm going, well, that's, that's great, you know, because I hate waiting. If you think it's bad in Louisville, I've got a picture here of the Los Angeles DMV. That's the DMV in Los Angeles, okay? So just be glad you don't live in Los Angeles and have to go to the DMV uh, if you're there. It serves my children right that that's the line at the DMV because they left their daddy and went to Los Angeles. So when problems hit, we need to wait upon the Lord. Now, he goes on in chapter 28, and he tells us three things that we need to do while we're waiting on the Lord. It's not just waiting uh, passively. And the first thing he says is this. We need to trust God's timing and be patient. So when you're waiting on the Lord, one thing you have to realize is you have to be patient in this waiting. Uh, look down to verse 6, verse 6 of chapter 28. He says, praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. Now, nothing has changed in David's life in verse 6, but he praises God because he believes God's going to do something. Praise the Lord, he's heard my cry for mercy. Even though it hadn't happened yet, he believes God's going to do something. So he's patiently waiting because he believes God is uh, doing something, that God is active. So he's going to trust God's timing and just be patient. It's very hard to trust God's timing because when problems hit you, the one thing we want is for our problems to be over with. We don't want to sit down and say, well, Lord, do you have something for me to learn through this? Or, or, or Lord, is this the right time for this to happen? Or is there a better time? We just want it over with. And so that's our prayer. Lord, get rid of my problems. But God's seeing a bigger picture than we are. And we have to trust his timing. We have to be patient with what God is doing and realize that God knows more than we do. If you've ever seen a surfer, uh, when, when a surfer is waiting to catch a wave, sometimes, you know, you just kind of see the little time-lapse things. But surfers sometimes wait 15, 20, 30 minutes just, just treading water so that they can catch that one wave and come in. Because if you get a wave that isn't quite big enough, you're not going to have the right ride. So they're very patiently waiting for that to come in, and that's what we need to do. We need to trust God's timing and be patient. So patience is the first thing in waiting upon the Lord. The second is we need to believe God is working and expectantly watch. So you're not just patient, you're expecting something to happen, and so you're watching for that to happen. Look at verse 7, verse 7. The Lord is my strength and shield. My heart trusts in him that I will be helped. The Lord is my strength and my shield. So as I'm going through that, God is going to be what keeps me strong in my problems. God's going to be my shield that keeps me from from uh, being hurt as the problems come, and I believe God's going to show up and help me. So there is expectant waiting. God's going to do something, uh, that God is going to show up. God is going to help me in everything that's going on here in my life. Uh, Dawn went to a, a music conference in Chattanooga last week, and, and I went with her because why not, you know? Hotel room was paid for, might as well go to Chattanooga, you know, for two days. And so while Dawn was at the conference, I wanted to do something really spiritual. So I went to the Tennessee Aquarium, which was just right next door to, to where we were, to commune with the animals, you know, and everything. God's, God's created creatures, you know. And so I'm going through the Tennessee Aquarium. They had an otter exhibit. Uh, I, could, I could have brought you pictures. That's what I should have done. Well, the otters were playing and going around. They were having a great time jumping in and out of the water. I, I just, you know, otters are fascinating to me, you know. And I was watching the otters. And then suddenly there was a little noise up at the door where you entered the otter exhibit. All the otters immediately froze, turned around and looked at the door, ran up to the top of the door, and then just sat there looking at the door. I went around and looked at some other stuff. They're just sitting there. And I'm going, what is going on with these dudes? And then finally they opened the door and they started feeding them. What did the otters know when they heard the first noise? It's about time to be fed. So they went up and they waited patiently, expecting the door to open and food to be there. 
What we're told in our scripture is that when our problems come upon us, we are to wait patiently but expectantly that God is going to do something. God's going to help us, strengthen us, encourage us, help us get through. And then the last thing it says when it comes to waiting on the Lord is that we need to trust in God's love and care for us. So you're patient, that's the first thing. You're expectant, that's the second thing. And the third thing is you have to trust. Patience, expectation, trust. You're trusting God loves you. You're trusting God's going to do something because of that love. Look at the end of verse 7. My heart leaps for joy, and I will give thanks to him in a song. Now, again, nothing's happened. There hasn't been some great miracle that's taken David out of his problems. He's just trusting that God is going to be there. He's trusting that God's going to be there to save him. And so he's singing a song of joy in the middle of his problems because he believes God loves and trusts him. That's probably the number one thing that we need to understand when troubles come is that God hasn't forgotten about you, that God hasn't gone away, he's not ignoring you, that God's with you every single step of the way and he loves you. You know, we've referred sometimes in this series back to Psalm 23, and we talked about the fact that it doesn't say we're never going to have any problems. The Bible never says that anywhere. It says when your problems come, God's going to be with you every step of the way. And in Psalm 23, we've quoted that, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil because I know you're going to be with me. It doesn't say you're not going to be in a dark valley. It doesn't say it doesn't feel like that valley's killing you. It says that when you walk through that valley, you're not walking through it alone. You have a God that loves you, that's with you every single step of the way. So the first part of the double team is waiting on the Lord. But it's not just waiting, sitting back, doing nothing, uh, bored. It's waiting patiently, expectantly, and in trust. That's what we're told is waiting on the Lord. So that's the first part of the double team. But there's a second part of the double team. About 20 times in the book of Psalms, both of these phrases, wait on the Lord, and the second part of the double team is used. And the second part of the double team is that the Lord is our rock. The Lord is our rock. So when problems hit, we need to run to the rock. Look back to verse 1 again. Back to verse 1. To you I call, O Lord, my rock. So he starts out here and he says, okay, my problems are overwhelming and that's why I'm looking to you, Lord, because you are my rock. Now, what's it mean that the Lord is our rock and how does the Lord being our rock help us? Well, I think there's two things that, that stand out in our scripture concerning this. First is this, God is the rock that comforts and protects us. God is the rock that comforts and protects us. Look down to verse 8 of chapter 28. Verse 8 as we keep going on. The Lord is the strength of his people, a fortress of salvation for his anointed one. So you walk through verse 8, it says, the Lord is my strength. So God is going to be the one that when your problems hit you and you're overwhelmed and you have nothing left to give, he's going to encourage and strengthen you. The Lord is my strength. But look, it says, the Lord is the strength for his people. So you're the people of God. So if that's not an encouragement, I don't know what it is. As God looks out, he says, look, I'm going to strengthen you. You're my people. It then goes on in verse 8, and he says, he's a fortress of salvation. Now, what's the deal about a rock? A rock is big and strong. Uh, A rock is uh, is hard to break through, and it's like a fortress. He's our fortress for salvation for his anointed one. So you are the anointed one of God. God has loved you cared for you. The Lord is your strength. He's going to be there to help, encourage, give you strength, get you through whatever's going on. Now, again, what we want God to do is make our troubles disappear. We just want our problems to be gone. What God does, though, is give you strength, encouragement, peace, and direction to show you how you're going to get through your problems. He walks with you through the valley of the shadow of death. He doesn't make the valley disappear. Uh, He makes sure that we get through it. He walks through it every step of the way with us. Uh, the, the falcon out in Yosemite in California has become an endangered bird. And uh, the falcons are doing some uh, things to make sure that, that they are, are safe and that their eggs are safe. And I got a picture here of a falcon nest uh, that, that's there. And uh, now, so you see, where's, where's the falcon built the nest? In a rock. Why is this falcon building the nest in a rock? 
because a rock is going to be safe and secure and strong. So this falcon has built his nest in Yosemite at a rock. But this falcon just didn't build his nest in a rock to protect his chicks. The falcon built his nest in a rock called El Capitan. Anybody ever heard of El Capitan? Anybody seen it? This is El Capitan. He's up near the top of El Capitan. Does that seem like a safe place to you? Yes. Not many people are going to say, hey, I think I'm going to climb up there and get in that falcon's nest. You know, that's not going to happen very often. So this rock has become the security and the protection for this falcon. And that's what we're told God is for us. He comforts and protects us. He is our rock. The second thing we're told about God is the rock is God is the rock that saves us. God is the rock that saves us. Look down at verse 9 as Psalm 28 ends. Save your people, bless your inheritance, be their shepherd, carry them forever. Every one of those phrases are really important. First, he says, save your people. We are the people of God. He's calling to God for salvation. Then he says, bless your inheritance. Have you ever thought about this before? You, you are the inheritance of God. Now, what's that mean? It means that you are God's child and you're going to inherit everything that's God's. Now, anybody here love their kids? I won't ask if you don't love your kids. Okay, well, we'll, we'll just leave it that way. Anybody kids here ever irritate them? No, we don't know. Everybody, yeah, 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 yeah. Everybody loves their kids there, okay? We love our kids. Have you ever had your child get sick before? And the way you felt was, I would much rather be sick than my child being sick. You've, you've absolutely felt that way. If you feel that way about your child, your inheritor, how do you think God feels about you? So when problems and troubles come into your life, you say to yourself, I'm God's child. I'm the one that's going to inherit all that's his. Think how much he loves me and how much he's going to be there to help me and get me through whatever's going on in my life. And then he ends in verse 9 by saying he's our shepherd. Now, what's a shepherd do for the sheep? A shepherd cares for the sheep, feeds the sheep, protects the sheep, leads the sheep. He says, God's going to be my shepherd. So when troubles come, he's going to protect me. He's going to strengthen me. He's going to lead me in the right place that I need to go. He's my shepherd. And then it says, it ends, and it says, he's going to carry me. What's a shepherd sometimes do for the sheep? They pick the sheep up, put it over their shoulders, and they carry the sheep when the sheep can't do it on their own. And we're told the Lord's our shepherd. He's going to carry us, just like a shepherd does the sheep. And so what an encouraging thing to think that when our problems come, God is our shepherd that's going to carry us and see us through and help us every step of the way. Now, what's that look like? Recently in Australia, there was a chihuahua that was hit by a car. And uh, it seemed to be a, a random dog. And so they, they, they took the dog to the shelter. They started caring for it, a real small little chihuahua. Well, there was a pit bull that took up with the chihuahua. And because the chihuahua was hurt, for a while and couldn't even walk, the pit bull would stay in front of it and make sure nobody bothered this chihuahua at all for any reason. And then the chihuahua finally got better and was able to get around normal and everything. And someone came and adopted the chihuahua. But the chihuahua would not leave. It kept running back to the pit bull. Why would it do that? Because that was its protection, its help, and its security. Until finally the person adopting the, the little dog decided, well, I guess I'm going to have to adopt them both. On the way home, they snapped a picture of the two, and here's the picture right there. <laughs> what you need to understand, that's you and God. And as long as we keep running back to God, and as long as we keep saying to ourselves, God's my shepherd, God's my help, God's my protector. When my problems come, he's my rock. Then you run back to him. So we've seen two things this morning. Our problems overwhelm us, but when they happen, we're double teamed. We're double teamed. God gives us something that's going to protect us, waiting on the Lord, waiting in patience, expectation, and trust, and that God is our rock, our protector, our helper, the one that's always going to be there for us.
Roseanne Sodier was running in the Boston Marathon a few years ago. Uh, she was so excited to be in the marathon when she heard the first bomb go off. And she said there was just confusion all over the course. And then finally, one of the other runners grabbed her by the arm and said, get off the course, get off of the course. And she said, what are you talking about? And he says, there's been some sort of attack. It's probably directed at the runners. Just get off the course. And then he took off, off the course. So she said she was panicked for a second and decided to do the same thing, started running off the course and literally ran directly into the second backpack that blew up. When it did, it literally blew her leg in one moment off of her body. And Roseanne went to the ground. A firefighter was one of the first people to get to her. And when he got to her, he got down. He was trying to stop the flow of blood. He was praying with her. He was crying with her. When she got on the ambulance, she was, she was about to go into shock, and she was freaking out that he wasn't with her. So they said, get on the ambulance with her. So he went to the ambulance. She was still freaking out in the emergency room. He had to go in the emergency room with her. After that, he started going back to see her every day just to see how she was doing. She ended up recovering, going to rehab. She just ran a 5K race uh, with the prosthetic uh, leg that she had. And at the end of the 5K race, the fireman uh, who had rescued her uh, proposed to her. And they are getting married. And here is a picture right here of, of them. And uh, so they are now going to get married. Now, that's a neat little story, but it also illustrates what happens with God. That when we're overwhelmed and hit, God's going to be the one that's going to be there with us every step of the way. The one that gets in the ambulance with us, sees us every day in the hospital, takes care of us. The one that we look to, the one that gets us through. Our problems can be overwhelming. But when problems hit, you have a rock that you can be safe in, and you need to wait upon the Lord. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you're there for us. There's not a person in this room that won't go through some pretty serious things in their life at one time or another. Uh, a lot of times life just seems to be going along well, and then then we're just blindsided and it seems to knock us to our knees and help us to know there's never a time when that happens that you're not there to pick us up and love us and care for us. Father, help us to look and trust in you and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
I wanted to give you all an update on what's going on with our facility and, and everything that's happening around here. Uh, you survived uh, the fall and all of the relocation and stuff there, uh, getting us into the sanctuary and uh, uh, the new parking lot. Well, starting Monday, uh, we have the second phase uh, that's going to be going on. And if you thought that you were uh, interrupted before, wait to know. No, just, uh, the the uh, construction of the new preschool area and of the new elevator entrance to the parking lot will start Monday. Uh, they'll be demoing the uh, current daycare wing. And uh, so all of that area will be closed. So there'll be new traffic patterns that you're going to have to learn. Anybody been downtown Louisville since the bridges were in? New traffic patterns that you have to learn. There will be new traffic patterns that you'll need to learn here at church. Uh, that's going to be quite a while. It's going to be five to six months, and we will have a brand spanking new modern preschool facility uh, here at the church. Very excited about that. Uh, also, uh, during that same time in about a month, uh, they'll be starting the new elevator entrance out here uh, and the new uh, lobby area coming in from the parking lot. That will be done probably by the end of April, okay? Uh, that's going to be about a two-month project, not a six-month project. Both those things are going to be going on. There's going to be a lot of construction, uh, a lot of things happening. So, so just know that. There'll be whole wings of the church that will be closed off at one time or another. Your Sunday school class will probably either has been moved or will be moved. Uh, I'm sorry about that, but, you know, uh, there's going to be a lot of good things that come from that. So our prayer and request is, is be patient. Be expectant. And trust that something good is going to come from it, okay? Boy, that worked out good, didn't it? Yeah, 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 that's good.
hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.